listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, I want to jump in this. This is a question, by the way. If I could tell you how many times I get this question as we're traveling, people write it in. Hey, Amy, good to see you. Glad you're on. Frank, what's up? Um, If I could tell you how many times I get this question, traveling, after services, you know, people write it in. Praise God. That's an awesome testimony, Amy. Amy's husband got baptized last night. That is excellent. Praise God. Praise God for that. But people write this in. You saw it in the title. You know, it comes in different forms, but it's like the same, it's like the same question, right? Uh, sometimes it comes in the form of, you know, if God's so good, how come people suffer? You know, that's one form that it comes in. You know, because people don't have a proper understanding of God's nature, His character. Well, if God's all-powerful, if God's so good, if He's this loving Heavenly Father then how come people suffer? Why is there suffering in the earth? That's the one, one way it comes in. And then sometimes people ask it like I put it in the title today, right? How come, good thing, how come bad things happen to good people? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? And you know, you hear that all the time. People ask that question all the time. And, um, and I usually have to take time with people because... Um, there's not one clear, easy answer uh, to the second way it's phrased. The second question that I just brought up. There's not a, a one easy answer. So today, I'm going to uh, break down for you some biblical answers, and everybody's case is different. Good morning, Talitha. Everybody's case is different, right? So we, we, don't, we can't just like give a blanket answer to these questions and say, well, this should solve your problem. You know, just it, it's, it's more in depth than that. There are multiple things in place that we have to consider. And, um, and so in this broadcast today, uh, I'm going to do my very best to talk about some of the things that could be the reason why people uh, are suffering or as somebody would put it, why are bad things happening to good people in the earth? And so I'll do my very best to uh, take you through a few things from the Bible and talk about that so that we have a better understanding. Because what happens, sadly, is a lot of times people's faith gets shaken because they see somebody that they love and that they know going through an attack of the devil. Or maybe they see somebody, you know, uh, get sick or they, they see somebody pass away or something like that. And then what happens is that they, they let that shake their faith. And then they're like, man, you know, how come that happened to them? And why, why does God let that happen? And how come, you know, uh, bad things happen to good people? And they have all these questions. And the, the wrong part of all this is that they let it shake their faith. Because something that I want to say from the outset of this broadcast is that No matter what happens to people or what happens in the earth, we never uh, let our theology be defined 
by what has happened to someone else or what we've seen happen in the natural. We don't define our theology that way. We define what we believe based upon what God's word says. And that's the only thing. That's the only thing that we base our beliefs on is what God's word already says. And so uh, let me say before we start, don't ever let uh, what has happened to someone, no matter how well you knew them, what, don't let something that's happened to somebody shake your faith or make you feel like, well, maybe God's not good or maybe that's not God's plan or maybe God doesn't do it for everybody. And, you know, people start having all these thoughts. Don't let that shake your faith because, again, we don't use somebody's uh, experience to define our theology. And I'm doing, uh, I'm doing this broadcast uh, with a lot of sensitivity because there are a lot of people, especially over the last 24 months, that have had loved ones that were attacked and there were people that they dealt with things, they went through things. And I want you to understand from the outset that this, this broadcast, um, I'm not speaking specifically about your loved one. I'm not, by, by any means, I would never do anything to hurt anybody or, or you know, make anybody feel badly about something that may have happened. I'm just providing you with biblical answers as to why these things could be the case in someone's life. I am by no means saying that if you had a loved one that was attacked over the last 24 months or died or passed, whatever that may be, this is what was wrong with your love. That's not what I'm doing. I, I wouldn't do that because again, you can't judge someone's situation if you don't know the ins and outs of their internal life, which no one can know. No one but the Lord can know those things. The Bible says man looks on the outward, but it's God who looks on the heart. So no man can judge by looking from the outward uh, what's truly going on. And so this is not meant to, by any means, be uh, an accusation or you know, to, to, you know, say, well, this is what, this is the problem in your household. That's not what I'm doing. But I do want people to understand why sometimes these things could possibly happen. And we'll look at that from the, from the word of God. So uh, be encouraged by this broadcast. And I, I pray that it builds your faith and your understanding of how things work uh, in the supernatural realm and in the natural realm. So now I am going to ba base this on that phrase, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the first category I want to look at with you is you have to ask yourself, well, who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? Because, you know, there's people that were like, well, you know, he, did, he wasn't a Christian. He didn't go to church. But I'm going to tell you something. He was, one of the, he was one of the nicest men. She was one of the greatest women that I ever knew. And she blessed the poor and she helped her community and she was all. And so first category I want to talk about is the unsaved, those that are not Christians. Because sometimes, and, and you know, let me tell you, it, it's, it's not uncommon that there are people that say, well, I knew him and yeah, he didn't go to church and he didn't necessarily claim to be a Christian, but man, he was, he was kind like one. He was, he was, you know, all these different things. He helped people. And he was, he was nice and she was kind and she was nice. 
And sometimes we look and say, well, yeah, that person was really, that was the nicest person I ever knew. That was the kind, I mean, they'd give you the shirt off their back. But if they are an unbeliever, if they're a sinner, then I want you to remember something right off the bat. Uh, you know, you ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? There is no sinner on the earth that is a quote unquote good person by definition. No sinner is a good person by definition, technically. What, what we have to do is look at the scripture where the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. We go on further to the New Testament. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Those that are uh, living in sin, darkness, you know, they're not saved. The Bible says that uh, their eyes, their minds have been darkened. And they, they are literally at enmity with God. That means they are enemies of God. So when you, when you take the first category of person and say, well, you know, maybe they didn't go to church, maybe they weren't saved, but man, they were kind, they took care of people, they blessed their community. None of those things matter if you're not a Christian. And so you can't look at a person, and, and I mean this with all sincerity and, and with all love towards people, you can't look at a person that's unsaved and say, well, you know, he was a really good person. What does that mean? How do you define good person? Because the Bible says that people who are unsaved are enemies of God. They are literally uh, dead in their trespasses and in their sins. And that they're on their way to eternal judgment. That's not a good person. There is no one good without Christ. There is no one righteous without Christ. So, uh, as, as, uh, uh, as, as Isaiah wrote, I mean, think how harsh this is. Um, he said, you know, we, we read it from, we know it from so many translations like the King James, and it's not as shocking. But you know, Isaiah wrote, uh, your righteousness is like filthy rags. Have you ever read that verse of scripture from Isaiah? Your righteousness is like filthy rags. The original uh, Hebrew there is your righteousness is as menstrual rags. That's the actual Hebrew translation there, menstrual cloths or menstrual rags. And it goes beyond just being dirty or filthy. It is, remember this by the law of Moses, that it caused you to be unclean and to be, now think about the power of this revelation, not only to be unclean, but had to be removed from normal society until declared clean again through ritual uh, cleaning. And so... And for example, uh, the Bible says any woman who had a discharge of blood is declared unclean until that's over. And then of course she would be once again cleansed and brought back into society. And, and so you start to realize what Isaiah was saying. Your righteousness is the same as menstrual rags, something that would make you totally unclean and totally removed from uh, the kingdom of God, totally on the outside of the camp. And that's exactly what Isaiah was trying to get across. And I know that's gross, but that, that's exactly why the Holy Spirit inspired him to use that terminology. It's stark. It's shocking. It's in your face. 
so that you understand the severity of what's going on. There is no sinner that's a good person. Their righteousness is like filthy rags. They're unclean. They're on the outside of the camp. And so if we're answering the first part of the question, that is this. If you're not, if you don't belong to Christ, it doesn't matter anyway, because you can't say bad things are happening to good people. They're not good people. They're under the reign of Satan. They're under the control of their father, the devil. The Bible teaches that. They're under the control of their father, the devil. And so that wipes that whole part of the question out because as, as nice as you might think someone is, the Bible says they're not a good person. They're wicked, dead in trespasses and sins. So uh, let's get that out of the way right off the bat before we move to Christians because that's where I want to spend the majority of the time in the broadcast dealing with people who truly are in and of themselves righteous because of what Christ did. They're no longer the same person they used to be. They're a new creature in Christ Jesus, and old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And so they truly are in right standing with God. So we move the sinner part of the question out of the equation because no sinner is good at all. Dead, filthy, outside of the camp. Doesn't mean God doesn't love them, want them to come into the kingdom. He's willing that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. So it's not that God doesn't love them. It's that they've rejected the gospel of Christ. And so we can, we can mark that out and understand that, uh, you know, bad things happen to bad people because they're under the reign of Satan and he has full control of their lives. So that's the first thing. But let's move now into the second part, which is, well, what about Christians? What about the people of God? You know, what about those that are in the household of faith? What's the deal there? What's the deal there? Well, let's start uh, with this first point. And that is, and I want you to put it in the comments. Number one, keep it in your mind all the time. There is an active enemy of your life. That's the first thing that you need to put in the comments and understand. It's not just, you know, you're living your life normally and there's no opposition. There is opposition. There's an active enemy of your life. That's number one. Put it in the comment section and write it in your notes. There is an active enemy of your life that wants to steal from you, that wants to kill you, that wants to destroy you, right? And so the, the enemy and, and demon spirits, or uh, as the Bible talks about in one passage, uh, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, that's what we're fighting against, not flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. The fight of faith is on. So you have to understand there is spiritual wickedness. There is an enemy seeking to attack your life. There is, uh, you know, spirits of infirmity, spirits of uh, you know, unclean spirits and, you know, oppressive, heavy spirits of heaviness and spirits of fear. And, you know, there is uh, an attack that the enemy, enemy would love to launch at you and love to launch at your family. And the enemy attacks. It's scriptural to be attacked, unscriptural to be defeated. So <clears throat> I'm in First uh, Peter chapter 5 
And uh, I want to I want to deal with this. That. Starting with uh, verse six, first Peter five and verse six, listen to this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Now get this in your spirit. Verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, Seeking someone to devour. Seeking someone that they can devour. That is the enemy. Resist him. That's the command after verse 9. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, part of this is talking about persecution. The same kinds of suffering being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let's, let's get this in our spirit. Number one, there's an active enemy of your life. Of your life. He's opposed to you. And so there is a devil, there are demons, who seek to attack the people of God. And that's why we get the command that we are to resist him and stand firm in your faith. Okay? So there's, what do we, we wouldn't even have to do any resisting if there was no enemy attacking. You know, if it was just us uh, carrying on through life until Jesus comes or until we pass away and go to heaven, then that would be easy. But there is an actual enemy. Now, do you have authority over the devil? Yes, you do. But people say, well, why, would there, why, why are there even attacks? It's, like, it's almost like people get saved and think, well, now that I'm saved, the devil's going to leave me alone. I mean, that, I honestly think people think that. Well, now that I'm saved, the devil's going to leave me alone and go after other people that are still sinners. No, he already has them in bondage. It is the, the people of God, the people in the kingdom that the devil wants the most to destroy and to rip out of what God's called you to do. And who he's called you to be. Rip you right out of that position. And so uh, it's important to recognize that there is an enemy of your soul, an enemy of your body, an enemy of your mind, and an enemy of your spirit. That is Satan and his uh, demons that oppose you. And so if you don't get that right off the bat, don't have this mindset. Well, like, you know, now that I'm, uh, now that I'm uh, saved, you know, I'll never have to, uh, I'll never have to uh, resist again. I'll never have to. Uh, you know, stand firm and take authority again. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. You do have to resist. You do have to stand firm. You do have to take authority because the enemy hates you. He hates everything you've uh, come to be through Christ. And, and that has to be uh, in, our, in our spirits and our minds. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes and his plans. And so we stand firm and we resist him. But we do understand that these things don't come from God. These things come from the devil. And that is important. Because the Bible says in James chapter 1, every good gift, every perfect gift, this is verse 17, James 1, 17, 
comes down from the Father above, in whom there is no variableness. That means he doesn't change or shadow of turning. So don't look at me and say, well, you know, this cancer or this uh, whatever it might be, you can put anything in there, this virus, this uh, crippling condition, this mental attack. You know, God has sent this, you know, he's testing me with it, he's strengthening me with it. Don't tell me that. Unless you think cancer is a good gift. Unless you think crippling conditions and viruses are a good gift that come down from the Father. Because they're not good. Look what they end in. They end in death. They end in destruction. Uh, they don't put you where God's called you to be. So they're not good gifts. They're evil things sent by the enemy. And so don't, don't ever fall into that theology. Well, you know, God sent this to test me. God sent this to show me something. He sent this to help me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You'll not find one passage of, passage of Scripture in the New Testament where Jesus encountered a sick person, a demon-possessed person, a lame person, whatever, and said, you know what? I'm not going to help this person, this case, because in this case, my father sent this upon them. He's teaching them something, and I'm going to leave this one alone. He never did that. In fact, every person that Jesus encountered who had faith in him, he always brought them healing or deliverance and help. Because, as the Bible says, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, that the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil. That's why any person he encountered who was battling in their body or their mind or their spirit, he recognized it as an attack of the devil, a work of the devil, and then destroyed it. And as Norman just quoted, Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good. Jesus wasn't doing bad. He was doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for the Lord was with him. So if God was doing that to people, then Jesus, who was reversing God's purpose, would have not been doing good, but doing bad, because he would have been in, rebe in rebellion to his father's purpose. And that's not what Jesus did or who he was. That's right, Tyler. If sickness was God's will, then Jesus was working against God. That's exactly right. And he was not. He said, I can do nothing unless I see the Father do it. I can say nothing unless I hear the Father say it. He was in perfect unity with his Father. Perfect unity. And so you'll never find a case where Jesus said, yeah, what you're dealing with is from my Father. He's teaching. no. And so the enemy is the one who attacks. Know who the attacker is. It's the enemy who attacks. Amen. Hey, Kayla. And so I want you to see that number one is that the enemy of your soul is the one who's attacking you. So you say, well, why would good, bad things happen to good people? Because there's an enemy out to attack the people of God. That's why. He wants to destroy you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. And so that's what we understand, number one. Number two, um, and as few people as there are truly engaging in their purpose from God, the devil does not want you to engage your godly purpose. He does not want you to do what you are called to do. And I'll tell you something. The people that seem to be attacking their purpose the most 
are the ones the devil seems to focus on. Why? Because, catch this, not every, first of all, not everybody is doing what God's called them to do. I'm talking about in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. Not everybody is doing what God called them to do. In fact, it's probably the minority that are doing what God's called them to do. But then number two, remember that the devil has limited resources. He can't create more and more and more demons at all. He has the angels that left heaven with him in rebellion, and that's it. That's it. Now, I did a series on angels and demons. Demons are not sinners who died and went to hell, and now they're in the ranks of the devil's army. That is not what demons are. People that, are, that die and go to hell are bound to hell with no way out, the Bible teaches, until God casts all of them into the lake of fire at the end of time. So demons are not multiplying. You're not getting more and more and more demons on the earth. The devil has limited resources. Limited resources. And so you start to realize, well, if the devil has limited resources, how would he use those resources? Well, of course, he's going to use those resources on the people that are the biggest threat to the kingdom. Doesn't that make sense to you? That makes sense to me, that he would use his limited resources to attack those that are doing the most for the kingdom of God, people that are in their purpose, people that are standing in obedience to what God's called them to do, that he wants to stop them. Let me give you an extreme example so you know what I mean. Who do you think the devil cares more about stopping, right? The Christian that sits on their couch and attends church once every five weeks or Billy Graham. I mean, there's the real, and I give you a, an extreme example so that you see what I mean. Well, obviously, the enemy wants to stop Billy Graham and not the Christian on the couch that, you know, goes to church once every five weeks and isn't winning anybody to Jesus or sharing their faith or anything. Well, of course, the devil would focus his limited resources on those that are doing something in the kingdom of God. He's not going to waste his time with people that got life on cruise control. That's ridiculous. And so understand, number two, the enemy attacks those who are in their purpose. Get that in your spirit. The enemy attacks those who are in their purpose. Devil don't want you in your purpose. He don't want you doing what God's called you to do. He, he can't stand that. He can't stand that. Amen. So we've got to get this in our minds that it seems as though that those who are, are accomplishing those things, well, of course the devil wants to focus on them the most because they're the greatest threat to what he's doing in the earth. So number one, there's an active enemy of your soul, but look where he puts his, look where he puts his, uh, his resources toward those, and it is the minority, toward those that are actively engaging their purpose. Now, let me deal with something that's pretty obvious, and I'm sure it's obvious to you. Not everything that people go through is 
the devil attacking. I, I want to say that plainly. Not everything that people go through is the devil attacking. In fact, it's probably the majority of it is not the devil. Many people make choices. They make choices in their life that bring them into a place uh, of destruction. And it's not the devil doing it. You know, people, well, talk about sickness, for example. Uh, The majority of people in America don't take care of their bodies in any way, shape, or form. Uh, As I've I've given this to you in the, uh, the book on fasting, I've taught on the broadcast, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who's a long life specialist, uh, said that 50% of people that are being treated in hospitals are being treated for something called metabolic syndrome that could be literally turned around with no medication, just better life choices in eating and exercise. That's it. That's it. Those people, that's not the attack of the devil. That is a lack of self-control. That's a personal, uh, you know, well, exactly. And Amy gives another example that's, you know, we, we give like a, a full example that's, that's extreme. Eat candy all day and then need prayer for diabetes. Well, that's not the devil. You, are, you have pounded your uh, pancreas so hard for your entire life with simple uh, refined carbohydrates that your blood cells are, no longer receive insulin. They're insulin resistant. And it's not the devil that did that. It's not the devil that did that. So, and I I use that as an example. There are a lot of things that people deal with that are not the enemy, but their own choices have produced a harvest in their life. And and they say, well, the devil's been attacking me. It's not the devil. It's not the devil. And so the the devil has limited resources and he has limited, uh, uh, you know, he can't be everywhere at once. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient, and he's not omnipotent. So the devil's not God. The devil can't do what God does. Very limited. In fact, he's very weak, and he's very defeated. That's why the Bible says that the scripture I read you in 1 Peter 5, he's seeking someone that he may devour, which means some people are devourable, and other people are not. Again, nothing in this broadcast is... um, is meant to talk about your specific loved one personally. This is not an attack on your loved one. This is not, I'm not giving you uh, accusations as to what's going on in your life or your loved one. I'm just giving you reasons from the Bible why these things could happen. I'm giving you things to understand it uh, better. Alex said, it's interesting how the devil always attacks the finances of those who are impulse buyers. It's exactly right. You You start to realize it. You know, people struggle, but it's not the devil most of the time. It's not the devil most of the time. And and please understand, and I know you can feel my heart. Please understand I'm giving, I'm doing this in love. This is, uh, this has nothing to do with any person. And I want you to realize that because I know it's a sensitive subject. There are people that have had loved ones die over the last 24 months and they were Christians. And there are people that are are struggling that are, they're Christians. This is not about an individual. I'm helping you because if you don't understand the principles, many times uh, you'll, you'll have your faith wrecked because you don't understand why things are going on. And so just consider the things that I'm giving you today. Let it help you. Let it build your faith from God's word. Uh, so number one, we know the enemy's attacking constantly. Number two, he's focusing his attacks 
on those who are operating in their purpose and in obedience to God's plan. But what are some things, you know, that would, that would hinder people? What are some things that would hinder people? Well, let's, let's get into it. One of the things that would hinder Christians uh, massively is unforgiveness. So number three, put that in the comments. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. So, so get, that, get that down in your notes. Get that in the comments section. The third thing we want to talk about is unforgiveness. And this is, uh, this is something the devil wants to use against us. That's why he wants our hearts to be wrong towards other people. That's why he wants us to become bitter. That's why he wants us to become angry. That's why he, he wants us to, to blame others. Right. And unforgiveness is a killer when it comes to receiving uh, the power of God into your life, into your body, into your family. And so unforgiveness, how, how, do, we, how do we deal with that? Well, unforgiveness can stop your faith from working. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. That, you know, unforgiveness, bitterness, uh, uh, the, this, this divisions and strife that go on in the body of Christ, it can literally stop your faith from working. And then you can't receive anything from God outside of faith. When your faith stops working, then there's nothing you can receive from God. Because the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we can't receive the rewards God has planned unless we receive them through faith. And unforgiveness, bitterness, all these strife, division, it will stop your faith from working. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6, the Bible says, faith works by love. Faith works by love. So this is another one of the things that I want you to consider when we're asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I'm just giving you things to, from the Bible to consider so that you know where to go in your mind if you're ever attacked or if your family members are attacked and you, you begin to pray. The, the sad thing is most of these things that, um, that I'm going to show you here, they don't, you can't see them from the outside unless somebody says something or reveals something to you, or even the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, you can't look at somebody and say, oh, I, I see right now, I can see that person's in unforgiveness. Well, you don't, that's not something you see. It's something that's in someone's heart, right? And so uh, unforgiveness, faith works by love. You know, I find it interesting that when Jesus was teaching the disciples on how to move mountains with their faith, and we always read this passage from Mark chapter 11. And we stop at a very uh, vital point in the text. Don't stop before the, the context is over. Don't stop before the context is over. Uh, let me read to you Mark chapter 11 verses 22 on. Listen to this. Jesus answered them. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. 
Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. We usually stop there and we shout and we run around the church and we give God glory. Praise break time. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you'll receive it and it will be yours. And we usually stop at 24 and move on to another verse. But Jesus wasn't done speaking. He wasn't done speaking when he said that. He still had it before the, the text changes subjects. There's one more verse. Look, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. That if, if you have anything against anyone, that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Well, why are we, why do we need to forgive as we're praying for the supernatural? Because it is that forgiveness that gets our faith working again. It gets that, you know, if faith works by love, then love does not live in unforgiveness. Love does not live in bitterness. Love does not live in strife and division. So Jesus, he wasn't done at Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Read 25. When you stand praying, forgive. Forgive others. If you've got anything against anybody, Forgive them. Listen to what Paul wrote, sandwiched in between two chapters on the power of the gifts of the Spirit. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, powerful on the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, powerful on the gifts of the Spirit. But sandwiched right in between is the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And listen to how uh, 1 Corinthians 12 ends and leads into 13. Listen to this. It's the 31st verse of 12. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. All right. So he, got, he just got done talking about the power of the gifts of the Spirit, all the things God does by his Holy, Holy Ghost power, and then he says, now I'm going to still show you a more excellent way. 13 begins. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, just like we just read, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Woo! If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but don't have love, I gain nothing. And then he begins to define it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Look at this. Paul is writing about the more excellent way. Walking in love. And many times, now I'm saying it's every time, this is one of the reasons why things uh, are allowed to remain even in the life of a believer. And you know, you got people praying for you and you're praying and whatever that might be. But notice what Jesus said. When you stand praying, forgive. Faith works by love. Love does not live in unforgiveness. Love does not live in bitterness, strife, envy, or divisions. Love lets things go.
And so I've seen this even happen, you know. Where the Lord can't touch people because they refuse to walk in love. And in doing so, watch this now. And I want you to write this phrase in the comment section and never forget it. Put it in your notes. Unforgiveness opens the door to the enemy. He's seeking whom he may devour. What puts you in the category of devourable? He's seeking whom he may devour. Unforgiveness opens the door to the enemy. Unforgiveness opens the door to the enemy. Hmm. And so I want you to get this now. It's not, I'm not saying this is the case in every circumstance, but it is in some. Because there are people that things have happened to them in their life. They've never forgiven those people. They hold it against them. They're bitter towards it. They don't want to talk about it. It's total unforgiveness. And you've got to cut it out of your life. Unforgiveness opens the door to the enemy. That's one of the things to consider when you ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? But the thing is, as I said, you can't judge other people. I can't judge somebody somebody else's life. I don't know your life, and I'm not called to judge your life. You know, even if I was your pastor, I can preach the word to you. I can show you the truth. I can give you the standard. But I can't, I don't know what's going on internally in you unless you tell me or the Lord reveals it to me. And of course, if there is something that goes on that's, that's public, you know, I can bring correction, but I don't know the internal state of somebody's heart or what goes on behind closed doors. That's their business. And that's the, that's the problem is that we sit out here and we just wonder, right? We just sit out here and wonder why are things happening? What's going on? I don't know, you know, what's going on, you know. And the reason you, can, you can't figure it out, you can't ask those questions and get an answer is because you don't know. You can't judge someone's life internally. You don't know what's going on with them. You don't know what's going on with them. All you can do is pray for somebody and believe that the Lord will deal with them and that they will get things right before God. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And so... We have to realize that, that there are internal things that we can't see, that we can't see, that people are struggling with, dealing with, that have to be addressed. That's number three. Number four, let's talk about another thing that that really hinders us, and that is unbelief. Not just unforgiveness, but now number four, unbelief. Put this in, in your notes, put it in the comments. Number four, unbelief. So we talk about why are bad things happening to good people? Number one, the enemy is always attacking. Number two, he comes after those that are in their purpose. Number three, sometimes there's unforgiveness. Number four, sometimes there's unbelief. And you know as well as I do that unbelief stops people from receiving from the Lord. Now you think about it. Someone is, that is the, the most powerful in the history of the universe, and that is Jesus Christ, the Word. He is the Word. And when He was on the earth, He was the Word made flesh that dwelt among us. So you've got God's pure Word walking around in a flesh body. 
And the Bible says he goes uh, into his own hometown. Goes into his own hometown and wants to perform mighty miracles. And he gets there and can't perform any mighty miracles except for laying his hands on a few, a very few, sick people and healing them. But the masses didn't get anything. And you know what the Bible says? And Jesus marveled at their unbelief. What was it that kept even the Son of God from being able to perform miracles for people on the earth? He was the miracle man. He's the Son of God. He's the Word made flesh. Didn't matter. That did not matter. The Bible says when he encountered that kind of uh, stark, gross unbelief, there was nothing he could do to override their unbelief. And that's, that's rough because you think, you know, you want to see it, but there are people who truly are full of unbelief, full of unbelief. And, and that's, that's rough. So you start to realize, man, that's why the devil works so hard to get me to doubt God's word. He works so hard night and day to try to get us to doubt God's word. Do you know the very first thing we have on record that the devil ever said is what he said to Eve. Did God really say, and then he, can, he continues on. Did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in this garden? That's not what God said. God said, don't eat from this tree. That's all he said. Don't eat from this tree. Not all the trees. He said, all the trees are for you. Just don't eat from this one. But look what the devil did. He immediately, as he's done now for, for all time, he tries to twist and pervert the word of God. Twist and pervert the word of God. And so what do we have? Did God really say, and that's what people deal with today. Did God really say he'd heal all people? Did God really say he wants us free? Did God really say he wants to bless our family? And then they sit there and doubt it. That's unbelief. It's unbelief. And if you don't get a handle on that, the other thing the Bible teaches is, it's not just pure unbelief, but even double-mindedness. Well, I do believe, but I don't believe, but I do, but I'm, I'm going back and forth like a like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. I, I do believe, but I don't, I don't, you know. And the Bible says in James chapter 1 that a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. And that person should not expect to receive anything, anything from the Lord. That's a form of unbelief, double-mindedness. That type of person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so one of the causes that people could be dealing with is unbelief. It's unbelief, a spirit of unbelief. And you can override unbelief by pumping yourself full of the Word of God, preaching and teaching, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You can pump yourself full of the Word of God. You can even open these apps now that are free, like the YouVersion Bible app, and just turn on uh, the Bible and let that narrator read the Bible to you. And as, as that 
word of God's being read to you, faith is rising in your heart. Faith is rising in your heart. Faith is rising in your heart. Why? Faith comes by hearing. Do you know, uh, if you have our Miracle Word app, you know, not only do we have Miracle Word radio in the app, but also uh, if you're reading the Bible through our app, which I don't know if, even if, know if you knew you could do that, but there's reading plans in there. The, the, the Bible is in there. But as you see on the screen, if you're reading the Bible in our app, you have full narration capabilities inside of the Miracle Word app. Pop it open. All of those resources are there for you to build your faith uh, right within the app. So unbelief is truly a, an attack of the devil to try to get you to doubt what God's already said. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to believe God's word. He comes back. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did, and that's what he's always done. And that's what he continues to do. And we have to know what God said and believe what God said and say, you know what? There's always a point in my life where I have to ask the question, whose report am I going to believe? And I will believe the report of the Lord. This right here is the report of the Lord. This, the written word of God, is the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I don't care what it says in the... Uh, Natural realm, I don't care what uh, diagnosis are saying. I don't, none of that. I don't care about any of it. What I care about is the report of the Lord. That's awesome, Aaron. I didn't know that. She said the, the Miracle Word uh, app narration is better than you version for narration. That's cool. I didn't even know that. But thanks for putting it up. Unbelief is a killer. Double-mindedness is a killer. Again, these are just things to keep in your spirit when these questions are asked to you. And in all reality, we, we aren't supposed to, you know, let, let me say this too, because this will help you. This will help your spirit. We are called to give a defense for what we believe. If you read 1 Peter 3.15, Always be ready to make a defense for, you know, the hope that lies within you. Do it with gentleness and respect. We're supposed to be able to make a defense. If somebody has questions and says, why do you believe this? Why do you believe in healing? Why do you believe in speaking in tongues and all those things? Um, you know, you, you say, how? Well, then you should be able to defend that. You should be able to defend that. But when somebody asks you, why did that happen to that person? Why does this happen to that person? You're not called to explain everybody's story. That's not your call as a believer. You're not called to go and explain uh, why something went down in a person's life. You couldn't even do it. You couldn't even do it logically. What do you want me to do? Supernaturally look into their soul? Like... I, can't, I don't know anything about that unless the Lord was to re reveal something to me by His Spirit. It's not your job to explain why things happen to people. You can look at what I'm doing today. You can look at why there may be reasons why these things could happen. But can I be very honest with you? These reasons that I'm going over today, they're actually better for your own personal life as a checklist rather than trying to use them to explain away 
why something happened to somebody else. I'm not called to explain tragedies. That's not my call as a believer, nor is it my call as a preacher to go around explaining everybody's tragedy and why it came to pass. I can tell you what the Bible says. I can tell you what the roadblocks are to receiving from God. And then I don't know how I'm supposed to apply those to somebody's life. I don't know their life. And it's not your job to know their life and to explain away what what happened to somebody. But you know what, what works better with this is to look at it and say, let me make sure that none of these things are happening in my life, right? It's better to point back to yourself and say, let me make sure none of these are happening in my life. First of all, do I recognize the enemies attacking? Do I recognize that when evil things are happening, it's never God and it's always the enemy? Do I recognize that? Because if I don't, I need to. Number two, do I rec- am, I, am I on my purpose? Am I in my purpose? Am I doing what God's called me to do? Am I in the middle of his instruction? And if not, I need to jump on it and recognize the devil doesn't want me on it, but he can't stop me. Number three, am I harboring any unforgiveness in my heart? Is there anything in me that needs to be corrected? Is there anything in me where I need to just forgive people and and move on from it? And just say, you know what, Lord, I give it to you. I forgive them. That, that's not going to be on me. I don't, I'm not, I'll walk in love towards them. Doesn't matter what they've done or said. Number four, is there unbelief in me, Lord? Is there any unbelief in my life? If there is, what? I'm going to just get into your word. I'm going to get into preaching and teaching until that unbelief is driven out of me. It's driven out of me. And, and you can, one of the things that's helpful to do is to know as I've taught many times, faith is compartmentalized. So you might have tons of faith. You might have tons of faith for healing, but you really don't have any faith for uh, deliverance from addiction or faith for financial breakthrough or other things. So yeah, you've got plenty of faith for healing and you're walking in that, but what about your finances? Say, well, I I just don't know. I'm kind of rocky on that whole thought process and whatever. Then get into the word and get into preaching and teaching and receive that until it drives that unbelief out of your life, drives it out of your life. See, that's why these work better as a checklist for yourself, because I can't look inside somebody else. So number four is unbelief and double-mindedness. Ashley, what country are you in? Says, Says our app's not available in your country or region. Where are you, Ashley? Should be available in every region, every country. Let me give you another one. So we've gone over unforgiveness, unbelief. Here's another one that can hurt people's ability to receive from God. They're uninformed. That's another one. Number five, put it in the comments. Number five, uninformed. You say, what does that mean? They don't have proper knowledge of God's word. They're uninformed. What does the Bible say? God spoke and said, Indiana? Well, of course it's available in the United States of America. You can get it. Try it again. Un, they're uninformed. What does that mean? Don't have knowledge. And God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So if you don't have proper knowledge in an area from God's word, then you will suffer in that area. You know, the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So any, get this in your, in your spirit, get it in your notes, get it in the comments. 
in any area where I lack truth, I will also lack freedom. In any area where I lack truth, I will also lack freedom. Important to get that. In any area where I lack truth, I will also lack freedom. And people don't, don't get that. It's like they, they, they totally overlook the fact that you have to have a foundation of biblical truth in order to walk in the manifestation of that truth. Paul says to the uh, 12 men in Ephesus, Acts 19, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know what their answer was? We've not even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So look at this. They couldn't receive because they had no knowledge of the truth. They could not receive because they had no knowledge of the truth. Do you realize that no one can be saved unless the gospel comes to them? No one can be saved unless the gospel comes to them. Some people have these, all these thoughts like, what happens to people that never, hears the, that never hear the gospel? They go to hell. That's why it's so vital to preach the gospel. The Bible's very clear on that. You cannot receive salvation outside of the gospel message. The, the, Paul said it this way, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Can't have salvation without the gospel. Well, what's the deal there? I can't receive that from God without the knowledge of the truth. And that's true for everything we receive from God. I can't receive salvation without knowledge of the gospel. Once I'm saved, I can't receive healing without knowledge about healing and the fact that God heals and that what the scripture says, I can't receive healing and keep my healing walk in it without that. I can't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost if I've never even heard there is a Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? So the knowledge of the truth, if you don't have, if you're uninformed and you don't have knowledge, I mean, maybe you remember, those of you that are watching, maybe you remember the very first time you ever heard the truth of God's word on some subject. Maybe it was the first time you ever heard that Jesus is a healer and that he'll heal you. And it was like mind blowing. It was like, really? Really? That's, that's wild. And you, it's like Bishop Boyadepo said once. He said um, when he finished reading uh, Gloria Copeland's book on prosperity, it blew up in his mind. He said, I can never be poor. I can never be poor. And it just clicked. It just clicked. Scroll up, who was that? That said, I'm also in the U.S. Sherelle Ware said, yeah, I wouldn't download from either from the Apple store. I'm in the U.S. as well. I don't know. You're going to have to, we'll have to check on that. But there's, our, our app is live in the store and it's functional. So I, I've, this is the first I'm hearing that anyone's ever had an issue downloading it. So we'll, we'll figure it out, but you shouldn't have any issue. Try like restarting your app store app and, and try it again. Let me give you one more before we pray. So we've gone over unforgiveness, unbelief, uninformed. But let's look at this. Number one, two, three, four, five, six. Now number six, unrepentant. People that are unrepentant. You know, David said this in the Old Testament. He said, if I had regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not 
hear me. Would not hear me. I'll, uh, I'll read this. I'll read this to you. In uh, 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's 1 Peter 3.12. So many times, that's why even like uh, when we talked about the uh, communion meal, when we were doing communion on uh, our prayer and breakthrough service. And that's why Paul taught the way that he did about the communion meal where he said, uh, don't receive it unworthily. Don't receive the communion meal unworthily. And if there's something that you recognize that you need to change or fix, or you, there's somebody that you have, you have something against them and there's a problem. And um, you need to go to them immediately. Lynn said she just clicked on the app already on the phone. Oh, so there is an error. We'll have to figure it out. We'll let you know probably tomorrow on the broadcast if we get an answer. Um, and so you start to realize it's the Lord wants us to walk, obviously, in righteousness and the unrepentant. David said it in the Old Testament. Peter said it in the New Testament. And you begin to realize, even Paul taught that, even when you're getting ready to take communion, if you have, even if you have anything against anyone, stop what you're doing, leave that at the altar, and go find that person and make those things right. We don't want anything to hold us back from the blessings of heaven. So you look at these, all these things we're talking about, and these, this is not an exhaustive list. I just want to give you things to help you and get you to begin to think about what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Why is it that we are uh, uh, dealing with these issues? And, and I want you to ever think, well, you know, it's just random. You just never know what's going to happen. I don't want you to ever think like that, that it's just random. You never know what's going to happen. Some God, sometimes God moves and sometimes he doesn't move. That's not what the Bible teaches. The, everything we receive from God is received through faith. And there are things that can stop faith from working. There are things that can hinder you from receiving. There are things that will hold you back from the promises of God. And again, don't be discouraged by what happens for some, and I know this is a hard thing. I'm not saying it like it's like super easy to do and whatever. Uh, I want you to understand that it, especially you have loved ones and people have dealt with loved ones for the last 24 months, 36 months, whatever. And I don't want you to think like I'm saying it flippantly, like it's just some easy thing. I understand what it's like when you're dealing with that and you don't, under, and you don't understand why. You don't understand why, you know, and, and you're trying to figure it out. But just remember, remember something. It's not your job to figure out why for somebody else. In fact, don't you know, the Holy Spirit is obviously working with those that are His on a constant basis. The Holy Spirit is working with those who belong to Him and, 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 and speaking to them and bringing conviction to them and working with them, striving with them. And so, it's, again, it's not your job or decision to come and say, well, let me explain to you why this happened. You may know, you may not know. You may never know until you get to heaven. But again, here's what's important. 
Number one, understanding it's never the Lord doing things to people that's, that's evil, that's hurtful, things that are, are damaging and destructive. We know that's the devil. It is the devil. Number two, you've got to understand that nobody's story that you may encounter, the closest loved one that you may have, nobody's story defines God's word. Doesn't work that way. Nobody's story defines God's word. God's word defines God's word. And we believe, and and, and let me just go a step further. My beliefs will never change based upon what happened to someone else I know. Why do you think that we always say so often on the broadcast, that will not be my story in Jesus' name? That will not be my story in Jesus' name. That will not be my story in Jesus' name. And so we constantly confess that because that's, that's, the, that's one of the most powerful things you could ever get in your spirit is that I'm not going to be affected by something that happened to someone else because whatever happened to them doesn't mean that God's word is untrue or that God is not faithful. It doesn't mean that at all. And I don't, I'm not here to define what happened to them. I'm not here to pass judgment on somebody else, but I, I want a checklist for my life to be able to say, I'm believing. I'm just going to look at myself and say, these things are not present in me. These things are not uh, present in me. And that's the key. That's what the checklist is for. That's why I want people ask this so often. You got to have biblical answers. Otherwise, people just get totally discouraged and throw it off and their doctrine changes and they say, well, sometimes God comes through and other times he doesn't. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. And I want to pray because uh, I know there are those of you that are believing for loved ones and family members right now. And that's why I said I did this, uh, this broadcast today. I'm not, I'm not assigning any of these to your loved one or your situation Uh, You you can't do that. I've said that multiple times. You can't do that. You don't know someone else's life. You don't know about their story. You just, the best thing to do is to turn it inward and say, what are these things present in my my life? And no matter what I see, no matter what's going on around me, I believe this over somebody else's experience. That's how a strong, mature Christian lives their life. And I'm not telling you it's easy because there are loved ones that are right close to you. And you sit there and ask, why in the world? Why in the world did this happen? But I want to pray because, man, there's people that are believing for miracles right now. There are people that are believing for breakthroughs. And I want to join my faith with you. I want to see and stand to see those miracles come to pass. And the devil has to take his foul hands off of God's people in Jesus' name. So will you join your faith with mine today? Let's pray for all of those who need miracles, all of those that are standing and believing for breakthroughs. Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to touch your precious people today, that wherever they are, let your mighty anointing flow through them, flow through their physical bodies. So many are in need of physical healing, Lord. Would you heal your people, touch them today by your wonderful and precious power? by the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter. Lord, for those that are battling addictions and battling in their mind, I pray that you would touch them today, drive out depression, that you would drive out fear and anxiety, 
that you would drive out panic attacks and every suicidal thought that was planted in the minds of God's people. For the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, would you touch them today in such a way that they would be totally set free by your power. Lord, I pray for those that are in need of household salvation. They've cried out to you, believing for salvation for their children and grandchildren and their husband or wife or whatever it might be. Can this be the year, Lord, that you would do it supernaturally so that we can declare and confess, as for me and my house, we do serve the Lord and we will serve the Lord until Jesus comes or until we die. Lord, for those that are believing you for financial breakthroughs, people have been uh, believing for uh, their debts to be canceled, that the financial pressure that they're under would be supernaturally removed. Lord, let this be a year that you do something supernatural for your people. We ask you, God, to touch those that are in need today. We join our faith with those that are asking you for miracles, and we declare you're the only one that can do these things. You're the almighty God. And there's none like you. We love you, Lord. We give you praise and glory for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' wonderful name. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you ahead of time by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you believe it, would you lift your hands and thank God where you're at that it's already done. Whatever prayer request that you had, Whatever it is you set your faith for, begin to thank God that it's done in Jesus' mighty name. And we give you praise, Lord, for what you're doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before I let you go today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow your seed. There's people that you're believing for financial increase, but one thing people never realize, many people never realize, financial blessing, financial increase does not come because people pray for it to come. It does not come because God sees you're in need. That's not why it comes. It's provoked from heaven. It's a covenant that is provoked from heaven by people who are tithers and people that are givers. And when you sow seed, it is something that God receives and then he multiplies it and returns it to you as a harvest that's much bigger than what you sowed. And so, if you're believing for a financial increase this year, it's going to take somebody who is faithful that gives seed to the sower. That's what God does. Puts it in your hand, but not so you can consume it, so that you can sow it, so that you can sow it. And I'm telling you, when you do, the power of God. This has been a supernatural year. We've been uh, confessing uh, and believing. I'll tell you, we sowed the largest seeds to set ourselves in position for 2021, or for 2022, we sowed them in 2021. January hasn't even uh, come to a close yet. Just to give you one of my, my own personal testimonies, I had no idea this was going to happen. No idea that this was going to happen. But um, somebody came and supernaturally put in my hand worth of gold, like supernaturally, and then a bar of solid silver, which I haven't even checked to see what that is worth yet. But I mean, out of the blue, no, nothing expected, no expectation, but 
meaning didn't know it was coming. I have an expectation of God's blessing. But we sowed the largest seeds we've ever sown. And we, we said, Lord, this is going to be a year where you're going to do supernatural things that we're just going to shake our heads and laugh and it won't be explainable by the natural mind. And then all of a sudden, comes right into my hand. Just right into my hand. I had our pastor call me. He said, I'm telling you, it's a supernatural year. He said, I'm not talking about offerings and I'm not talking about uh, uh, going on the road to preach. He said, in one day, in one day, God put into uh, my hand through others that just came and said, I felt to do this. I felt to do this. Tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars in one day. And we were laughing, talking about how, isn't it amazing how what used to represent a year's salary, God can put it in your hand in one day. And you said, how good God is, how amazing God is. And God's going to do things for you this year that are going to be mind-blowing, mind-blowing. But you have to get your seed in the ground. You have to get your seed in the ground. And so I'm encouraging you today to sow that seed by faith with an expectation those things are quickly coming to pass in your life as well, in your life. And so on the screen, you can see how to do that, miracleword.com. If you're um, listening on the podcast, you can always swipe up. And there is, in the description, links you can click to sow your seed. All the ways to give are on the website. But do today what the Lord is asking you to do and then expect these things. You don't know where they're going to come from. You don't know how it's going to happen, but God brings it to pass. And God's going to bless you abundantly in Jesus' mighty name. And those of you that are standing with us in partnership at $85 or more this month, of course, we're sending you this book by Dr. Sumrall, Venturing with Christ. And if you're sewing at $250 or more, we're going to include with that How We Got the Bible by Dr. Lightfoot. And for those of you that are stepping up to sew $1,000 or more in this month, we're going to send you, as well as those two books, the Net Study Bible, full notes edition, 60,000 notes on scripture. Uh, these will bless you immensely and, uh, and help you in your Bible study. Don't forget that tomorrow, I'm back with you in the morning. Carolyn's back in the afternoon, two o'clock broadcast, and we start in Georgia Sunday morning. I'll be preaching two services and uh, I'm there through Wednesday. We're in uh, Pennsylvania starting Friday night. It's gonna be a great year, man. We'd love to see you in revival. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for sowing. I love you with all my heart and I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.